Oh, sorry. Um, I'm Charlie Taylor. Vegaro. I run hip hop by the numbers on Twitter. I use hip hop statistics Compose to highlight yourself. the bigger picture. <laughs> Nigeria to the fifth element. I highlight the fifth element of hip hop, which is knowledge. What? <laughs> it's taking the digits. This is gonna be the best episode just because I I I just I just this is like I just want to impersonate the event for the rest of the episode. I don't even care where we go. I just I'm just gonna try and get as many in as possible. Oh my god! If you guys could have heard that. It was with my dogs. <laughs> I thought I think if we I, I remember you suggested like a few months ago that we should like do top fives for everything we do every uh, like at least retrospects we do. Yeah. I think uh, DMX is just like top five pe- uh, rappers to impersonate. It's just great. Oh my uh, god! It's, yeah. it's fun. It's just it's, 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 it's he might be number one to be honest. It's, it's so fun. It's so fun. I just enjoy it so much. We'll ask Jar Rule. Ask Jar Rule. Uh, uh, yeah. Jar Rule loves Ooh, it. Good, good shout. Yeah, Jar Rule. Yeah, Jar Rule milk that shit. Sorry, Jar. That was rough. Yes, apologies to Jar Rule. That yes, he clearly he's a fan. Um, <laughs> sorry. <laughs> All right, so. Uh, we already give away the well. We always give away the topic and stuff. Yeah, we do. Point. We do. But <laughs> that's the point of the show, anyway. But yes, uh, hi Ben. How's your week been? And what have you been listening to this week? Uh, well, since we're talking about DMX, I will say a little bit personal. I am withdrawing from medication at the moment, so I'm not well. So it really, really sucks. But still soldiering on. Listen to a lot of music this week. Denzel Curry's album, which is Blood In Blood Out mix, which is written weirdly 13 lud in 13 lud out i really enjoyed this project i didn't feel like it was quite at the level of ta taboo taboo sorry ta 1300 uh i don't know why he's doing this the only part about denzel i don't like is is this weird thing with numbers and letters uh, but it, I think it was just offcuts of that album, so you know that that's fair enough. Oh, this is this is my favorite album of the week, by the way. So I'm going from best to worst. Uh, I just really like this album. He really exemplifies raw emotion, raw lyricism. Bears his heart on every track. He sings a lot in this on this project as well. I just think it's a great piece of music. Only 13 minutes, 12 minutes. It's only on YouTube, uh, which is annoying, but that was that was a good little thing to throw out. Some Lucy's. Uh, Selena Gomez's Rare. So this was really interesting to me because I felt like Selena Gomez absolutely annihilated Taylor Swift on this album. When I was listening to this album, I just kept thinking about Ether when Nas rapped, Eminem murdered you on your own shit. And that phony, trend-hopping, derivative, inauthentic bullshit that Taylor tried on her last two albums, which was incorporating more trap and R&B-inspired beats and then adding a little bit of spice to her lyrics and that whole annoying cutesy word, spoken word I'm a boss and I'm going to cut you off because I only want positive energy vibes thing she did Selena Gomez actually did it properly with genuine intent and authenticity it doesn't feel like a room full of old white writers were sitting around trying to craft every single lyric it just feels raw and honest, true and insightful 
the sparsity of the beats allowed her to get some serious bars off uh, on people you know. She says, people can go from people you know to people you don't. On kind of crazy, she says, <laughs> this is, I like this, uh, you've been lying just for fun. Luckily, no damage done. But now I see you're kind of crazy. I, I just, I really like this album. It's very simple, uh, but it hits hard. It hits deep. And I just think Selena sounds confident. She's not overly emotional. She sounds rational calm rather than her lashing out and attacking. It feels like, because, you know, it's, it's quite a, I, I guess, an aggressive album in the sense that she's standing up for herself and she's cutting people off. But it doesn't feel like she's cutting them off just indiscriminately because she's angry and upset. It just feels like she came to all these conclusions logically. Uh, I just I just really like this album. Much respect to Selena for this for this album. Thank you because it really resonated with me. Then I got to Moneybag Yo, Time Served. Ah, uh, oh, man. You know what? I finally understood. Like, well, I understood this when Post Malone dropped uh, Beer Bongs and Bentleys. So I understand why this bland trap trend from artists like Moneybag Yo. You know, Rich Homie Kwan, Trippy Red, like all the artists have come on here and, and said, I really like a little bit of their music, but it's just so derivative and so generic. I think it's because I really like ambient music and I love music playing in the background while I work and eat and, you know, do other things. And this is just, this music is so, it just blends into the back. I, I found myself going back to this album repeatedly, just putting it on while I was working or while I was driving it's not an overwhelming album it's a consistent vibe and sound for the entire project the lyrics are so rote it's almost like a computer program is generating them it's just like generic trap lyric number five i don't think it's a great album i just think it's an album you can listen to with no expectation and barely engagement any engagement and just enjoy it uh 82 percent of the lyrics are about sex drugs violence and money and it's not in an inventive way like Jay Z or Lil Wayne. It's just pretty stock standard. But I'm not I'm not mad at it. So it's, it was a middling release. But then it, I got to Quando Rondo's Cupac. Now come on, bro. You can't name your album Cupac, and it's your first studio album. You've done nothing. Like uh, just what the hell, man? It, He's so. This is the thing I don't get. So he's associated heavily with NBA YoungBoy or YoungBoy Never Broke Again. Quando uh, Rondo is the first artist signed to NBA YoungBoy's label, and I always wonder why, when artists get a co-sign from a genuinely famous and talented artist, why do they then go and make a lower rent version of what the bigger artist is doing? Because it feels pointless to me, especially when there's no lack of supply in this genre. I mean, literally. When no one else is dropping, this second wave of trap albums are just flooding the market. Moneybag Yo and Quando Rondo drop on the same day. Like, the, nothing else dropped except Selena Gomez. Like, nothing else is coming out, but there's always this trap music. Why? I don't understand why artists like Quando Rondo... It's happened... Like, look at Quality Control. You go listen to their... The whole thing sounds like freaking Migos. Or you listen to some of Young Thug's uh, offspring and or his like signees or people who's co-signed. They sound exactly like Young Thug. I'm just like, I don't understand. But anyway, yeah, it's a pointless album and, and I wouldn't recommend checking it out. But yeah, that's what I got into this week. All right. Um, safe to say I didn't get Selena Gomez, believe it or not. <sighs> I thought you would have, man. I was going to text you, but oh, I thought, right. oh, Charlie would have been on this for sure. He would have been up on this. It's going to text me. <laughs> <laughs> um, 
Uh, yeah, so uh, I'll just go into one. Uh, well, it's not. Uh, it says album, but it's an EP. Um, Mick Jenkins' uh, uh, The Circus. How was it? <clears throat> uh, yeah, I I enjoy. I've I've always enjoyed uh, Mick Jenkins, uh, just from a just from like a presentation standpoint. Um, just how he sounds vocally, how he raps, just fascinates me. And uh, yeah, this is kind of uh, I guess more of uh, the same of uh, what Mick Jenkins is about. Uh, there's a there's a few there's a few beats on here that um, I f- I find a bit not in his lane. And uh, switched up a little bit, which you know I can, I can, I'm down for you know trying out. But I don't think, you know, stuff like same old. I think uh, Hit Boy produced that. And I was just like, mm, yeah, yes, yeah, it's, it's, it's not your vibe. But then came like Carefree, Tune, uh, The Light with Earth Gang featured. Uh, that was that, that song hit. That was a yeah. great. That was a great. Uh, that was a great. Uh, that was a really great track. Uh, Flaunt is right up my alley in terms of what Mick Jenkins is about. Uh, just he he just it just escalates a little bit every time every verse it's it's, it's so it's so clean but um, yeah man Mick Jenkins is uh, forever forever one of the one of the most underrated uh, yeah, the highest, uh, rap, rappers for sure because yeah. uh, always I I've always I've always had the opinion that he t- he just produces great work all the time and uh, it's always slept on to me like, it's always, you know people people obviously rated the waters and but that was years ago and you know i'm, I'm not saying he's produced anything better um i, I think he has in parts um but yeah I, I, just, I just feel like i feel like he should be i don't know recognized more for mo- for most of his work but this is this is okay for what it is it's, it's only 19 minutes it's not yeah. that long so uh you know if you want if you want to if you want to try me Jenkins out for the first time then this is a good place to start because obviously it's the shortest of the of most of his projects but um yeah so it's, it's a great listen thoroughly enjoyed it but um yeah that's pretty much what I go into um it's pretty oh, actually no I have another one um oh. Blue Wednesday The Great Escape okay. uh first Chill Hot Records release of the of the year uh yeah so he has a lot of um every every track he has someone uh, like a fellow uh, producer with him so on one he has Cloud Dance with Ian Ewing I mentioned him a few months ago. He's fire. Uh, there's another one with Aso, which I really, who I really enjoy. And uh, yeah, it's it's a very, it's called the Great Escape. And um, yeah, it's, it's it's very similar to that kind of uh, the title, I guess. It's really escapist, you know, go to somewhere different kind of thing. It's very uh, ethereal. Um, I, that's kind of my word of the word of the week. <laughs> I looked it up literally uh, sometime this week, and I was just like, that, that, "That's a fire word." So that's I, a I'll solid word. Yes. Yeah. I said, I said I was going to. I said to myself, I was going to use it at some point. So that's yeah, good it's very ethereal. Uh, ethereal. Um, yeah. So it's, it's a real. It's a real escapist project. It's real smooth beats. You know, proper chill hop. As you as you guys as you guys know, if you guys listen to chill hop, you know the you know the fucking vibes. Uh, in the vibes. So yeah, that's pretty much uh, all I to. Um, apart from. Uh, our topic for today, and uh, yes, believe it or not, ladies and gentlemen, Ben's introducing. So, yeah. where are my dogs? <laughs> I'm not even going to attempt it because there's no way I'm going to pull it off. I, I'll just embarrass myself. No, I'll do enough for all of us. We're going to um, we're going to do DMX this week, and the reason I wanted to, uh, I guess, introduce it is because I wanted to dive a little bit deeper than DMX, just the musical artist, because. I believe he's one of the most interesting artists and personas that I've ever looked into. I want to speak about the music on this podcast, but X isn't just about what he laid down on wax. It's firstly about how he got to the point where he could even do that for a living. 
like that was a, his his journey to that point is crazy. You know, he came out in 1998, and he'd been rapping since 1984. So it's 14 mm. years in the wilderness, and the stories from that wilderness are crazy. But then it's about how he actually did it, and how his method, and and how he became a pioneer, and how he was an actual genuine pioneer in multiple realms. Then we can look at the pinnacles of success that he achieved. And they're brought sharply into focus when viewed through the lens of what happened towards the end of his run. You know, his severe issues with the law, with drugs, his tortured but ever-present relationship with God and religion. I'll probably get a little bit existential at times. But looking at DMX as a whole, the artist, the man, the creative, he's honestly one of the most puzzling people I've ever encountered. When I, you know, obviously when I started preparing for this podcast, I went straight back to his music. And... His music isn't, you know, it is pioneering and he sings a lot and and he talks about God a lot and he is just an incredible artist on the microphone. You you give him a beat, any beat, he's going to he's going to find a pocket that you would never have known existed. He's going to bring energy, he's going to bring incredible storytelling, like really in-depth, intricate stories. I would place him next to Slick Rick when he actually gets in his storytelling. Slick Rick was more prolific with his stories, so Slick Rick could put out a whole album of incredible stories. DMX usually sprinkles four, three or four, maybe five tracks onto an album. But the thing about DMX is he didn't switch his style up a huge amount uh, across his, I think, eight albums. Two of them were released without his consent uh, after, I think it was Undisputed and The Redemption of the Beast were both released by a label and both DMX and Swizz said that they, they did not consent to those albums being put out. But DMX doesn't switch his style up that much yet. He he hit like an absolute bomb in the in the late nineties, and I've heard stories and listened to a lot of podcasts where DMX was the gold standard at one point at Def Jam. You know, people would say DMX was selling five mil. Uh, ja Rule was one, and he wrote in his book, I think, that he and Irv Gotti said this as well. They they wanted Ja Rule to do DMX numbers. DMX was selling more than Jay Z. Okay, DMX was selling a lot more than Jay Z. Like, that's crazy. DMX was just shipping an insane amount of albums. And so I guess it's very interesting to to look at it and say, oh, that could be a run. You know, it could be like a Nelly thing or it could be like a 50 Cent thing. But the thing about DMX is he's still so beloved by the hip-hop community, so much so that, you know, when he does stuff, it genuinely goes viral. Uh, the Christmas song he did, the interviews he does with The Breakfast Club, like... People still check him for DMX every day. Like, if he dropped an album tomorrow, I'm not saying it will go number one, but he has so much respect within the community that uh, it would get a huge amount of coverage. So, yeah, I'm going to come at it from a, a f- like a really holistic kind of point, but I, w- I wonder where you want to start, Charlie, because, yeah, I've just been taking in his whole career, to be honest. Um, well, it's good that you've done that because um, I've only uh, got into just some of the albums all of them um i wanted to my my minimum goal was to just get into at least like the first two because obviously those are the ones where uh obviously with i guess the apex uh, uh, so to speak and just um obviously set the rocket on fire uh, pretty much so um flesh of my flesh blood of my blood um i listened to well i listened to both files on the way home yesterday traveling and um the first thing I the first thing I always gleaned from uh, X when I listen is that it's 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 very it's very to the point. 
it's it's super to the point. Uh, you know exactly what he's talking about, and you know if you if you agree with it, if you or or if you agree with it, you agree with it. If you don't, you don't kind of thing. Um, and I think I think my overall point when it comes to D, uh, DMX is that like I think he's. I think I said this when I um, suggested the topic uh, a week ago that excuse me he's uh, probably like the real one one like the realist uh, artists yeah period to be honest um there's nothing there's nothing cryptic about DMX like you, you if you if you want to look up his story um or just listen to his music and get it and glean and glean what you want to glean from that it's very simple. He's a, he's a very open book, and uh, in some ways that's very refreshing. You know, it's it's, it's very refreshing. You just uh, if you if you you know you can you can decide for yourself very quickly if you like him or not as it pertains to music. Um, if I can rank the two, you know, first albums I listened to, um, I'd probably say uh, uh, "Hell Is Hot" better than uh, uh, "Flesh of My Flesh." Simply just simply because it's just more. Uh, uh, but, but this is the thing, isn't it? <laughs> when you when you listen to every every DMX album, like nothing's changed, so to speak. Like he's talking about the same stuff, it's just a different rapping. Yeah, um, he doesn't he doesn't switch his and, um his content up much yeah. at all across his entire career, even up to 2015. I know that album came out without his blessing, but it's yeah. it's pretty similar in content. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So you know, and and we've and we we know many eyes that you know do that. We will always reference um, Pusha T when it comes to that kind of uh, uh, career arc where you know they don't deviate from con uh, from that of uh, specific style or you know content lyrically. Um, but you know, for people like Pusha T and for people like DMX, it works. And you know, this is how it's done. So uh, yeah, I think I think he's. Um, He's clearly a very fascinating character, and uh, and I and I also do find it very fascinating that people still check for him. Mm. Um, I think that I think that really does just uh, go to show that um, if you if you do if you are if you are an open book and you you know keep it very um, well keep it real, um, then people can just uh, people can make their people can make their choices whether they like you or not and you know so um, you know and the fact that there's nothing cryptic about him is a uh, very uh, what's the word very useful in terms of how we decide if you know if we rate a person or not obviously and that age, goes for most you know walks of life i mean it's the age old technique of just if you live your truth no one can hurt you with it and exactly dmx you're right he's he's one of the most authentic on the microphone and i think it really began i mean his story is just crazy like he came from a really difficult and traumatic childhood his father left before birth uh dmx suffered from severe health issues he was run over when he was young he was abused by his mother uh she once knocked teeth out when he was just six years old and dmx forgave her he told gq that he loves his mother and just because she did those things doesn't mean that he doesn't love her. And he said something very uh, very wise and very mature. He said, children don't come with a fucking instruction manual. And she was only mm. 20 when she had me. Mm. But, you know, X ended up in bo- multiple boys' homes and he learned to rap from those social environments. He went to jail for the first time at 16 and he actually said in an interview that at first jail was fun for him because it got him off the streets. He knew jail he learned a lot. He battled other rappers. He joked on people. And he said, um, 
he enjoyed it. He enjoyed being in institutions. He got three meals a day. He got clothes. And to me, that says just how freaking difficult his personal life was, that actually, jail actually provided stability and sanctuary for him. And this is where I believe the Tupac comparisons begin and end. You know, I agree that Tupac maybe carved a lyrical path for, for DMX. I Personally, I think DMX would have carved his own path. He would have come in like a bulldozer and just created his own lane. But Pac kind of mm. did it before him, you know, the tortured uh, street persona where he was speaking deeply and emotionally on issues that were facing African-Americans and oppression and racism and, and the kind of the mechanism of it and, and the results of it and the emotion of it. But, you know, Pac grew up around royalty, actors, activists, poets, musicians. Uh, there was a, So there was a biography that was written by Darren Bassfield and uh, he wrote that Tupac was one of the most popular kids in school. Now juxtapose that with this. DMX, quite literally, when he was young, would walk the streets alone at night and befriend dogs whilst he escaped the trauma of his home life. Man, mm-hmm. like, how different is that? Like, that's crazy. And we spoke about it, uh, I think, in a text, and we were comparing Tupac to DMX, and just DMX's story is just so raw and vivid and, and just traumatic. Like, you can hear it in his music, and... I think that's why DMX is such a he's such a complicated person to, to wrap your head around because we look at him and say, man, you had all this success, you were getting ten million dollars a movie, you were at the absolute pinnacle of mainstream hip hop, and yet you fell off. You you were still getting arrested, you know, we, almost monthly basically throughout the mid to late two thousands. He was in jail in twenty nineteen. Like he struggled severely with his addictions, and someone from the outside might look at it and go, "That doesn't make any sense. Like, why wouldn't you not switch it up? Why wouldn't you change? Why wouldn't you?" But you've got to understand that DMX is just him. He's he's a human, and humans are full of contradictions. And you listen to his music, and there's millions of contradictions in it. But the the overarching theme I get, and the the feeling I get from DMX is that he's always rapping from the soul. He's rapping. Not from his heart, not from his brain. He's just letting the words pour out of him and and whatever form they take. He's not sitting down and and carefully crafting a story or, you know, making sure his unique word percentage is high or he's he's putting multis into his into his you know, it's not an M and M level situation. Yeah. Or even Jay Z. Like Jay Z used to sit in a room with Jazz O and they used to just perfect the art of rapping together. They used mm-hmm. to try different flows. They used to try all these different techniques. DMX just gets on the mic and just tells real shit. He just talks about real shit. And if you're a human and you're 100% honest, there's going to be some wild stuff you talk about. Like there is stuff that we think and feel every day that we would never express. DMX expresses that. And I think that's why he's connected with such a huge amount of people. Yeah, I find um, there's. I, th- I think there was a... Um what was it there was a uh like a graph that someone did uh actually i found i found it. here you go so shout out to matt daniels from the pudding hey um, he did that, i love uh, matt daniels you've, shout probably, to you. you've probably seen it yeah, yeah man i've spoken to him a bit i love like matt daniels. he did the uh, <laughs> yeah yeah exactly so he did the the uh basically uh, the largest vocabulary in hip-hop uh i guess plot in graph thing i think most people have seen it if you if you if it's you've been classic. around uh yeah so it's, it's amazing and uh DMX, like you know, he's he's very in in that technical way. 
he's whack. <laughs> Just put, put it simply, it's whack. He's like, low, uh, he's low, yeah. It, okay, I'll, I'll, I'll rephrase. It's, it's low. Better, yeah. um, it's, uh, according to here, it says uh, DMX's uh, unique word used is 2,136. Uh, and that's very... that's. You know, super low compared to you know people like I don't hey, know. So uh, let me just let me just pl- let me just press people. Some of the uh, Public Enemy well. four thousand two hundred sixty one. Big Sean three thousand five hundred sixty three. De La Soul four thousand eight hundred twelve. Uh, the cool Keith five thousand five hundred sixty six. That's high. Uh, and obviously the best uh, two's bus driver and A Rock with like above seven thousand. Yeah, so you know, it's 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 it, as a technician. Like DMX is not that he, he like you said he's well, not lyrically, he's not the person lyri- lyrically yeah uh, yeah sure he's not the ly- he's not the lyrical technician he's clearly just focused on you know what to say and just like I guess how to say it in a way but uh, not in not in the depth that you know most uh, you know of the of the lyrical miracles that you like that you people love to shit on uh, try to do. Um, but yeah, not 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 to be a not to be an armchair psychologist or anything, but I do uh, really find find it so uh, fascinating listening to listening to his work where he can he can go into one song talking about I don't know his uh, mother and daughter uh, his uh, his uh, well his girl and daughter right, and then <laughs> the next one's just like I love my dogs, but where are my bitches? I'm just like what. <laughs> It's so it's absolutely discombobulated sometimes. It's so oh, it's 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 a real. If you actually listen, it's just so it's so odd. <laughs> it re- it really is odd. And you know, he's not the first or the last person to do that. And actually, a little point I want to make, just as a hypothetical, I feel like if DMX came out now, like in the past decade or so, and it didn't have to. Uh, uh, you know, you obviously. Uh, so behind the curtain, uh, we're going to do this episode one day because uh, we have we 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 have to, and Ben's obsessed with it. Clearly, um, Ben did an update for me on uh, the death of the third verse, uh, and uh, yeah. So, so for those that don't know, we did a our, beta, our first Bayer episode that we haven't officially dropped, obviously because it was a Bayer Bayer episode was the death of the third verse, and we're going to do it someday. Uh, just you know, just re up on it. Um, officially, and uh, I feel like if DMX came out now, exactly how it exactly how it is, maybe with less, uh, uh, <laughs> maybe maybe not say a faggot so much. Uh, yeah, yeah, a little bit, uh, maybe, a little bit maybe, more, maybe that, a yeah, little bit cleaner. Yeah, maybe maybe less of that. But um, <laughs> apart from that, if he ca- if he came out now and didn't have to do a, a a third verse for all of his songs, like he does a very lot. Um, you know, his album is always crack an hour and I always, you know, listen going, if only if it was 10 minutes, sure, I'd really enjoy it. But, um, but, but that's just me. I think I think DMX would still be, you know, DMX, you know what I mean? I think he'll still be, you know, just like a, a hood legend, I guess, in, in that sense. Um, I, I just I just I just think it doesn't matter at this point wherever he, wherever he is. Uh, if you listen to DMX, you're going to get that super just hardcore experience and feel the exact same way that people did back in 98 and 99 2000 um and you know in that way i guess i've kind of defined <laughs> i basically said that dmx is timeless and i really do think he's timeless in a in a sense um but also in some other senses he encapsulate uh, he encapsulates um mm. life 
in the US in the 90s and beyond and uh, I think I think I think it's on that front just in terms of like you said storytelling um is very is very fascinating and I was, uh, yeah. I just think completely unique um in in some ways no I was thinking about that the other day when I was listening to Redemption of the Beast and I was just walking along and obviously I've gone back over his whole discography multiple times and Redemption of the Beast just sounds typical DMX and I was thinking you know what would what what would it take well firstly I was thinking about the difference between a classic album now and a classic album back then and what I Mm. realized is that back then a classic album could be a lot less immersive and a lot more disjointed in regards to they were like like a classic album now almost seems like it feels it has to be a concept or it has to be like very cohesive Back in the late 90s... Track for track, slap, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Back in the late 90s, it was like individual songs. Like, if you put together 15 great songs, you would have a classic album. You may not... They may not even mesh together. What they would... That would be a classic album. Drake actually said on Scorpion, he said, uh, people want a classic, that's just 10 of these. But I disagreed with him because it was on Sandra's Rose, I think. Because I was like... I don't think you can just put 10 good songs on an album now and expect it to be a classic album. It has to really flow together. And mm. why I was thinking about that with DMX was because those early albums, that he was the glue. He was always the glue. He got a lot of different producers. A lot of people think that Swiss Beats produced like most of his work. I can tell you right now, Swiss only produced 19% of his discography. He only had wow, really one. That low. Yeah. Low. Yeah, he wow. only had one production credit on X's uh first album. He had 10 on his yeah, second. Yeah, I, I know the track, yeah. He had four on then there was X, two on the next, two on the next, four on the next, two on the next, one on the next. Like the only one with double digits was Flesh of My Flesh Blood of My Blood. So, yes, Swizz and DMX were instrumental together, but it was mainly the fact that Swizz, uh, DMX was the first rapper signed to Rough Riders, uh, which mm-hmm. was Swizz's label, and I think it was his uncle who created that label, and Swizz was the in-house producer. And then X brought the locks over. So X was mm-hmm. instrumental uh, around that time for Rough Riders, and Rough Riders is a legendary record, of co- uh, record label, of course. But see, the thing about X is, you know, when you said that he's not so much a technician... The reason I took a little bit of, you know, I step back from that is because I honestly feel as an artist, maybe not he doesn't sit down and he's not a lyrical miracle, but just the way he can sing or find a hook, the the, the hooks that he finds are incredible. The, the energy, the vibe that he brings, it's mm. it's 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 deeper than it's deeper than sitting down and writing a song. He's letting the song flow out through him, and and I honestly mm. think in today's era he would be successful if he had the right team around him, if he had the right production. And mm. Swizz keeps saying in interviews that they've got you know all these songs in the clip and they're they're ready to drop it, and DMX is going to come back and it's going to be epic. And I don't know that Swizz is the best producer for him right now because I just think with dmx we we do need something a little bit different going through his story and going back over his history and understanding what he's been through since his last consensual album which was 06 you know that the two albums after that he didn't consent to that's a long time and and in that time Mm. he spent a lot of time in prison he's been arrested a lot he's uh turned you know he's basically a preacher now i just honestly think it needs to be updated a little bit we don't need late 90s dmx right now we need 2019 
uh, preacher DMX just just to see where he's been and, and to get a little bit of understanding of how he views his story. You know, I read the GQ interview with him and it was very interesting. And I listened to the Dream Drink Champs podcast and the the, the thing that does worry me and, and we'll get into this a little bit about religion is uh, it was Nori asked him, you know, do you regret anything or would you change anything? And DMX said, I how could I? Because my my life is preordained, my path has already been laid out in front of me he said if my story is a to z uh, i don't know where i am on that path i could be at q i could be at s i could be at b and so i feel like dmx doesn't do a lot of turning back and taking stock of what's happened and analyzing i feel like he's a very in the moment kind of artist and this is just me personally i would prefer an album where he kind of self-analyzes a little bit and really looks back at his past and has a look at at the path that he's taken and delivers his view on it rather than the same kind of thing that we've been getting because you know I, I hate to draw this comparison but 6ix9ine has been basically ripping off DMX you know 6ix9ine just came like a, a whirlwind and started yelling and screaming and <laughs> super hype and super aggressive and it's blew and my it, mind with that comparison to yours well it hit man it hit it, it, it's yeah. kind of it's kind of similar like you listen back yeah. and but there's a complete difference obviously because 6ix9ine has the emotional capacity of a spoon like he's, he's <laughs> incapable he's incapable of getting past like running around with guns and and <laughs> snitching on everyone so there's you know it's, it's a very 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 surface level uh comparison and a very surface level influence there but yeah, I, I just feel like DMX has so much more to offer other than just the hype tracks. And we've got the hype tracks. We've got the hype tracks already. We, we don't. I personally don't feel like we need another Swiss Beats DMX production. Well, I don't know about... Uh, the, 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 don't, don't know why you're doing all that uh, Swiss Beats hating on. I, I, I hey, think Swiss Beats is on, a uh, very... Uh, you're, the, capable, you're the resident uh, Swiss Beats hater. You're the one who's like, oh, get him off the track. What's he, no, why no, is he no, dropping no, a no, verse? Hey... No, no. <laughs> Bro, I just don't, I, I just don't like it when he comes onto the track. Like production wise, he's cool. Like he's you know, so he's not my favorite all time, but he's cool. I just, I just, I just, like I just always find it misplaced when he comes on the track. It's and like, I'm just like that sometimes is shit ridiculous. One hand in the air. Oh, he's so fucking hype, man. Love Swizzy. Yeah, chill on that. It's not, it's not that hype. Calm down. <laughs> um. I, I, well, since you talked about religion, let's get into that because yeah, um, yeah. obviously that's a very key part of it. And um, correct me if I'm wrong, but he has a prayer on, I guess every every album, right? Every album, yeah. I think it gets up to prayer. yeah. So yeah, yeah so he dro- he just drops a prayer, like just drops it in there it's for fire like, a two minute thing. It's freaking yeah, fire! No, yeah, so it's just and you know yeah, and you know for, as as prayers go, they're pretty good. <laughs> there's some there's some yeah. jewels. There's some gems dropped in there. Um, and I do wonder how, um, I guess, people that are religious uh, would respond to somebody like DMX, who's mm. clearly, you know, about their life and he clearly, you know, considers, sees it as, you know, gospel. Um, and I think that's kind of like a, well, the whole, the whole, this whole episode is just trying to, I guess, uh, you know, we're obviously scratching the surface in terms of it, but like examining a human side of this person right here. And, you know, I, I understand where you're coming from in terms of like, if he ever, you know, drops a drops a new album or whatever, or if he ever comes back and, you know, finds time to do one. 
and saying that you should you know, look up, uh, you know, look back in a way. Um, I mean, in a sense, he does that anyway, right? You know, just just in terms of what he says, you know. So mm. it's not like he, it's not like he, you know, come comes into the studio and he goes like, you know, I just I just saw a lot of dogs outside. You know, what I mean, let's talk about some dogs. <laughs> mm. You know, what I mean, it's, it's the motifs are stuff that you know, like like he said, he go he went out as a youth and befriended dogs, and that's why he does the dog stuff. You know, I mean, it's 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 kind of in a way turning, uh, looking back, and you know, applying that to what he has at that point of recording. So, you know, I understand what you mean when you know, when you say you know, look back and self-analyze. I think that's the key word in this in self-analyze. Mm. Um, but you know, I think I think it's especially with the prayers. I think that in a way is his. <clears throat> way of self-analyzing and I think that's kind of not that I'm religious or anything but that's kind of I guess what prayer is in a way isn't it it's, it's just like saying you know I'm this I'm feeling like this you know it's it's, it's either good or bad help me through this time whatever you know it's been it's been a rough couple of weeks da, 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 da. you know that's that's what DMX does with the prayers and I think I think you really should be applauded in that sense in terms of how excuse me how it's done because um you know, it really is genuine poetry, um, genuine spoken word. And, uh, you know, I always think spoken word is very underrated, especially yeah, in definitely. mainstream hip hop. And yeah. uh, the fact that he does that in, you know, his all his albums is, uh, I think, something that should really be, you know, lauded for. And, uh, you know, the quality of them are just outstanding. Um, it really just stops the album. Well, in a good way, it stops the album. It just stops you to a halt. It's like, you know... No music, just him, a little bit echo, and you know he's just like, and he's just, he just, he just says what he says, and it's a, you know, from a religious standpoint, I think um, he it's a, it's another wrinkle in terms of how you know fascinating a case study this uh, this person is, um, and this artist is. So uh, yeah, man, it's a it's a real it's a real interesting. Uh, I I find that always the one of the most interesting parts of uh, his music, especially just like how just he stops everything to a halt just so he can drop a prayer you mm. know for some artists that'll be like ah no i'm ruining the vibe let me not do that you know yeah, yeah. <laughs> but he just goes for it well religion is one of the, the places that dmx was quite pioneering because the great depression was 21.5 percent religious the stark and hell is hot was 19.7 percent and they both went number one and the only mm. two artists with significantly higher religious content on a number one album are lecrae and kanye west not till the mid to late 2010s so dmx was on this mm. really early and i went over every number one album to really get because I, I had to do that for jesus is king to discover that it was the most with the most religious content on a number one hip-hop album and i went through every number one album in hip-hop history and they're all the the, the most hovers around 10 to 11 percent so for x to be putting 21.5 percent uh that's really really high when i listen back you know, I might get a little bit existential here because X's relationship with religion is really interesting. He was quoted once in saying there's a difference between violence and senseless violence. And if you listen to his music, a lot of it is not him being tortured about his decisions and the things he's done. It feels like him justifying what he's done based on the actions of another man. And so when he did the Drink Champs interview with Nori... I don't want to misquote him, so I'm just going to paraphrase. He was saying things like, 
if he said there's, there's there's different levels of action and so you know he said if i kill a man without context without anything in cold blood i'm a murderer but if that man's trying to kill me i'm absolved of guilt you know and so he used that basically as a basis for the justification of his past acts and the things that he's been through where a lot of it if you listen to his music he will first describe what someone has done wrong and then he'll describe what he did to them and i'm not saying this that he did these things by the way this is just lyrically in his music this is this is how he dealt with it and i was talking to my friend a couple of weeks ago about religion and we were discussing why people find religion first we were discussing the 12 step program and dmx said something interesting again in that drink champs episode he said he was never going to be strong enough to beat his addictions he said the, he was a, an addict for 25 solid years a serious addict and the only way he overcame his addiction was god he said i couldn't do it myself i had no chance but god was the reason why i overcame my addiction and we were talking about how the 12-step program requires a belief in a higher power to get you through and it's my belief that human the human mind and the consciousness has evolved past the point where as humans we're capable of doing things that we're not capable of facing the consequences of and so that's why i think there's a lot of religion in prison where people do some pretty terrible things and they're not really capable of dealing with it themselves and taking personal responsibility for it and so religion is a way for them to find a path through what they've they've done or what they've been through and with dmx saying that about addiction where he basically admitted that he said, I can't handle this, you know, but but you think about it, and DMX did that, you know, that, that's what I always find really interesting about religion, where people use religion as a reason why they did something, and then almost remove their personal responsibility from it, like DMX always says that you have free will, but you don't have freedom of choice, because God has already created a path for you, and you're just walking down the path, and you can choose how quickly you want to walk down it, but you can't actually choose your path. And I just think it's a bit weird that he would say that when he has clearly done it himself. You know, I understand he believes a higher power is speaking to him, but yeah, that that interview with on Drink Champs, if anyone hasn't listened to it, go listen to like the last 20 minutes. It was it was really interesting. DMX should definitely become a preacher because, and I think he might be. He was I think his first concert after getting out of jail in 2019, he popped up at one of Kanye's Sunday services. And a lot of people were expecting him to really go the full gospel route and it would not surprise me if he did. But I think that also kind of plays into how difficult it is to get your head around DMX the person because we have to remember that you know, because Charlie was talking about in one song he'd be talking about his mother and his and his uh, the 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 mother of his child and his child and how much he loves him, and the next he'd be calling women bitches. We have to remember that everyone has their own unique personal value system and their own unique relationship with God, and their justifications and their values and what they do and their actions is between them and God. And I honestly feel that way with DMX, where we listen back to his music and we f- might find it difficult, especially someone who is not Christian. I'm not Christian. I'd be like, that doesn't make sense. It doesn't really stick to the Ten Commandments, does it? But in <laughs> DMX's mind, he he said on the on Drink Champs, you know, he defended himself pretty pretty stoically. And in his mind, the things that he's done are justified and they've gotten him to this point. And he 
wants to be at this point. And Swiss Beats said something great on the Rap Radar podcast. They were asking him about DMX. He says, what you need to understand about DMX is he didn't go broke. He gave his money away. He said that DMX was giving his money away in spades in the late 2000s and early 2010s. Maybe that's part of why DMX, or part of DMX's redemption in his own mind, in his own soul, you know, giving away money. And uh, yeah, a lot. I think that's why he has so much love in the hip hop community is because of this, I guess, giving an authentic spirit. And I think that's why. It, firstly, it's hard for us to judge his lyrics and say, "Oh, you're not religious," or you know, this doesn't make sense with it, you yeah. know, in in the lens of Christianity. I I just think that DMX is just such a yeah. I mean, I'm trying to get my head around it now in real time, and it, it is I am struggling. But like listening to that Drink Champs episode, and at the end when he he delivered like a 20 minute prayer again, spoken word, just off the cuff he clearly hadn't written it down and he would go off on these different tangents it was so crazy it was such an amazing speech like he would he would recite a prayer and then he would start talking about situations he'd been in or giving context to the prayer and then he would come back to the prayer and nori would you know nori's pretty terrible on these interviews he's drunk and he's trying to butt in and say shit and dmx just keeps talking doesn't doesn't even break a sweat when nori comes in he just keeps talking and it was just it was it was exemplifying what we're trying to get our head around here, like how much of a dynamic and at times contradictory person DMX was. But I I, just, I think that's human. I think that's human. I think it's human to be contradictory. So I just rambled a lot there, man. But it it is hard to get your head around DMX when it comes to religion. But I honestly think there could be a gospel album in the future, and and I would be totally here for it. I think it would be more authentic than Kanye West. I'm not saying again. Well, <laughs> I, I mean, but but look again. I just said that uh, everyone has their own relationship with God, and we all yeah. do, regardless of if we're atheist or not. And we can't understand other people's relationships with God because we can't understand other people, not truly, unless we are that person. And even if we are that person, probably don't understand ourselves that well anyway. So trying to judge someone's relationship with God from the outside is really difficult. But it does feel like DMX has been on this for a really long time. I mean, he was raised a Jehovah's Witness. He's been on this since the start of his career. I honestly think it would be an absolute fire album if he went down that path. I feel like I need a dissect uh, uh, series now on just a, a DMX album. Doesn't really matter which. But um, Cole, if you if you need ideas for <laughs> next season, there you go. That you would be DMX wild. to chew on because that would be that would be wild. fucking amazing. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but that aside, um, yeah, yeah. I mean, you you gave a you gave a lot there, so uh, yeah, I apologize. Yes, yeah, it's, it's, it's all good. It, I'm though. just trying to wrap my head around it. I mean, I mean, this is this is it, isn't it? It's just trying to the fact that we've spent the episode trying to, I guess, um, I guess, understand uh, DMX as a person. I think that task is so insurmountable. Um, there's probably, we've probably wasted time <laughs> doing, doing that, even attempted to do that. Um, <laughs> but I do think that, you know, I'll see the fact that, you know, when you, when you said that he gave his money away, um, I didn't really, I didn't know that. Mm. So with that said, and trying to think back now, you know, he doesn't mention money much. Um, no. it doesn't sound like, you know, it's from what he gives... Him. 
uh, as an ice isn't really like you know it's it's may, may, maybe it's um, maybe there's hose you know um, but there's not much money in it you know what I mean it's it's there's it's, a fair bit just, of yeah. there's a fair bit of hose yeah yeah fair bit of hose um, fair bit fair bit of violence of course of violence, um, and yeah. you know introspection I guess but yeah not much money and I do find that no. I, I do now that I'm thinking about it out loud it's um it's very that's a that's a very unique trait um especially you know as he was a artist you know deep in this bling era basically oh, ultra like bling if, era. if you if you weren't talking about how much pee you had yeah what were you doing you know yeah how much uh, cars you how many cars you drove and you know whatever how many clothes you own whatever how many chains you got how much do they weigh you know, if you weren't talking about that then who you were on, you you went on the uh, charts man look at scarface yeah, exactly like, like how could you possibly chart um but obviously dmx made it in that sense and uh, i think that's a genuine uh feat in itself um especially of how saturated that particular era was in terms of music and especially uh content but yeah he really i guess i guess uh I guess I can finish in terms of like going back to what you said, obviously comparing them loosely to Tupac. And in terms of realness, I don't think there's many that even approach uh, DMX on the real on the real scale, quote unquote, real scale. Um, and I just think that is something that we can, you know, always just look to as a, I guess, a touchstone. And if you guys want to, you know, dip into dmx more than that then you know <laughs> like i said i feel like that's an insurmountable task but if you want to go do it go do it <laughs> you know make it your life's mission if you really want to to understand dmx and, and whatever goes on in his head to, from day to day and especially from year to year or whatever but um, yeah i think he's a he really is an utterly fascinating not even just just as just as an artist he fascinates me but then when you just get to him as a person and outside of that you know where can you possibly begin um you know you can have the facts of you know he was born this day and he had the mother at 20 and you know you can you can find all that stuff but then there's also there's the all the stuff underneath that you know all the all the uh, all the permafrost underneath that underneath that ice basically and uh you know there's a that that shit that shit is uh impenetrable but even with that said i feel like if you ask dmx the right questions he'll he'll probably answer them but um i can even start to think about it in an hour <laughs> in an hour long podcast of what to ask uh, of what to ask DMX if I wanted to, you know, get to know him, you know what I mean? Um, but even in, with that said, if I just said, tell me your life story, he'll happily, he'll, he, he might, he might, I don't know, maybe get, maybe go into it from like in legitimate detail. But um, yeah, I mean, just to finish, you know, he's a, he's, he's an instant artist. Um, I feel like his, he, he really is universally enjoyed for whatever reason. Um, you know, we all we all love to imitate, um, doing the errs and the oh, oh, you know, we can, we all we all love to do that. I certainly fucking love to do that. That shit is it's highly enjoyable to me, <laughs> uh, un- unreasonably enjoyable to me. But uh, you know, past that, there is an authenticity that cannot be touched, and um, and a, well, not a nuance, but um, 
an open book factor, I guess, that can't be matched. And, uh, you know, we, we in, especially in an age now where, you know, everyone has a persona and everyone has a, mm. um, everyone has a mask or yeah. whatever. Um, you know, like I said, it's incredibly refreshing to go back to listen to DMX, regardless if you, you know, rate the music or not. Um, just what he talks about and how openly he is talking about that kind of stuff um, is just highly fascinating. And just one more point. Um, whenever the locks is on here, Jesus fuck. Bro, he, him and the locks on a track is absolutely unbeatable, I swear. It's just insanity. <laughs> It's, it's, it's kind P. of it's kind of Styles unfair. Rises, like, even even like, even uh, uh, I forgot the name of the track, but it was like a, I think it was on the first album. It was like him, Lox, and Jay, and I was like, Jay, take a step back, bro. <laughs> Honestly, I was like, you ain't even touching this. Like the, the other the other four were producing heat. I was like, fuck you know, man. I was like, oh wait, that's Jay. Damn, like, you need to pick up your pace, boy. <laughs> Lox is coming through with the guns. My god, man. Unbelievable! I need to. I need to get into the locks at some point, man. Seriously, oh, I need a deep dive. bro, you're not into deep dive. Oh come on, no, you gotta get into the locks, man. Holy I know shit. I do. It's one of those. It's one oh. of those. I just need to get into. I know. It's, bro, it's, yeah. it's, it's a hole. It's a hole I need to get into. But even even with that said, you know that's that's an infamable task in itself to me because I'm just like, okay, Jada Kiss and Styles P have the have already you know really hard solo discographies, and then there's the locks. I'm just like, fuck you know. Uh, so mountain is one that scares me to be honest, but we'll get to that at some point. But yeah, track wise, you know, there's, there's stuff like that. Whenever the locks is on there, it's it's a must listen. So you know, just a just a note to, just a little side note to get onto. Yeah, I think you summed it up really well. I think all I want to say about DMX and and that authenticity is, it just really exemplifies how weird we are all as humans and when we're confronted with someone bearing their soul on every single freaking song and everything that they do you know he went on the breakfast club and they were asking him about the time he impersonated a police officer and he had already had his license suspended he was driving to the airport so there were already going to be federal police around he was in a fake fbi car and he put his siren on to get around a guy and the guy wouldn't let him pass. So DMX got angry. So he pulled the guy over, got out of his car, pretended to be an officer, and chastised him. This is at the freaking airport. And he was justifying it on the breakfast club. You know, they're looking at him like, bro, that's not a rational thing to do. That's not. <laughs> but he he was he was speaking from, you know, he was clearly at rock bottom of his own value system. And when rock bottom, I mean, he was standing on solid ground. He felt like he was in the right here. And he was justifying it, and and so it's really hard for us to really get our head around that. But I swear to God, if you if you know, I've been pretty deep with a lot of people, and when you really get down into their essence and their humanity, everyone's crazy deep down. And if if you know, I, I just think it's a testament to DMX that he actually puts that on wax and lives his truth. And and as painful as his life has been, uh. And I don't want to sound voyeuristic and, and weird about it, but I really do respect the fact and, and enjoy the fact that we have someone like DMX. Like, he's absolutely a central voice in hip-hop. So, yeah, I, I think that's why this is confusing to us. It's like he's, he's bearing his soul always. And then, the yeah, the funny thing you mentioned that, like, about LOX is, like, we say that DMX is not a technician, uh, lyrically, but he could rap next to anyone, man. Like, he was meant to be in it. They were meant to have a group, him, Ja Rule, and Jay-Z. 
and uh, it turned out that X did not like Ja Rule because Ja Rule was evidently, you know, maybe clipping some of Ja Rule, uh, DMX's influence. And then with uh, DMX's 2006 album, so the crazy statistic about DMX is he's the only artist in hi- hip hop artist in history to have his first five full length releases go number one. He almost had six, but it got beaten by a compilation album of singles that beat it by like 100 copies. And DMX thinks it was Jay-Z's fault because it was 06, I think, and Jay-Z was head of Def Jam. And DMX said, well, you know, you retired and then you came out of retirement because Kingdom Come came out in 2006 and DMX felt like you got shelved. And yeah, I just, I think someone so, that, that he still has such respect in the industry like him and locks on a track is just crazy like ugh, yeah man this is a total legend total total legend but you got to get into lox you got to get into lox at some point yeah 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 okay i'll i'll hook you i'll hook you up man i've been i've been into lox for a while. i i really draw a lot of comparisons between lox and griselda i honestly think like yeah Westside i was Gun, I, I was just and i was like like I said, I know, I know Ben listens to these a lot. Westside Gun is chic. Uh, Benny is Styles P, and Conway is Jadakiss. That's 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 it, man. It's, You've it's, thought about yeah. this, haven't you? Of course, I think about it all the time. Like, because Benny, because Griselda were on a Styles P joint on his last album, which came out in 2019, and it was absolute fire. Like it was crazy. And Styles P's been on Griselda, like talking about them for years. So. Yeah, I've thought, I've thought deeply about I think too deeply about things sometimes. <laughs> Just a bit. All right, so shall we get into a line note? Yeah, do you have one? Yeah, Brits, you fucking suck. You just straight up suck. How the hell do you do a nominations list and Little Sims is nowhere to be found? I do not understand this. So if you don't want to put her in best album, fine, sure. I mean, she did have the best album, in my opinion, last year. But if Wait, you don't so want to put it there for whatever reason, fine, sure. Go ahead. The fact that you didn't put her anywhere near British female does not make sense to me. I am utterly confused how she is not on that list. So just to put, uh, just to say who British female is, and I'm going to do this on what's good as well, the whole list, but I'll just do British female just to, just to make a point. So we have Mabel, Freya Ryadins, FK Twigs, Charlie XEX, and and Mahalia. Okay. Okay, I I don't want to get into Freya Ryadins because I've never heard of Freya Ryadins. So just in that case, you know, I wouldn't put her on my list because I've never heard of her. But I don't want to be negative like that. So I don't don't know the person, so there's no point. You know, I can understand FK, FK Twigs. I understand that. I understand Charlie as well. I also understand Mahalia. And also understand Mabel. But you can't tell me Little Sims ain't better than, better than some of those. Or do, doesn't deserve to be in this pantheon. I don't understand. And this, this makes a whole conversation about the British itself. Um, I think uh, there was a report as the nominations dropped about... Uh, the, uh, the thing is about the uh, this particular uh, award ceremony at the, mo- at the moment in terms of this year's nominations is that female artists are absolutely nowhere to be seen. Um, there's no there's no female artists for best album. Uh, there's none for Br- uh, British group. Uh, there is Mabel for a best new artist, but other than that, nowhere to be seen. Um, it's a bit, it's a bit sad. And uh, a little statistic here is um, out of the 193 albums submitted for consideration, only 35 were by women. Um, wow. That's crazy. Yeah. That doesn't make. That doesn't. I, I can't really understand that, to be completely honest. And uh, you know, 
I, I, I really, I've really enjoyed the Brits anyway, partly because they're always hosted by a fucking idiot, whether it's James Corden or Jack Whitehall for this particular year. Ugh. But, um, you know, yeah. just as a, just as an award confuses me, you know, they have Stormzy there, Dave, and Dave is tied with Luis Capaldi for the most nominations this year, which is completely deserved. And I can be positive in some ways, but I just don't understand some of these, um... I don't understand some of these nominations. I really don't. Um, in some ways, it's kind of worse than the fucking Grammys because, like, even with some of the people you've picked, like, it's just there. There's there's a gen. You know, in the in the when you look at like you know some award shows, you can tell which ones dip into you know um, it's either artsy or it's um, you know popularity contest. You know, obviously stuff like People's Choice is you know simple you know what you're you know what you're gonna get yeah. i heart radio awards you know what you're gonna get yeah. <laughs> they have a i heart radio um, awards have a fucking award for a best um for best fan base <laughs> who the hell would I, win I, that who would even win that exactly like and, and, and you know and we we've talked about you know we've talked about stand bases before and uh i think um i think uh i forgot who it was a comedian but uh said on said on twitter like so basically is who who does the most cyber bullying actually i think it was fantano actually that's what it <laughs> so is it like, bts who, it won like, it. Who, like come on so it's basically award of who cyber bullies the most and I was like, yeah, pretty much. Oh, so even on that front. Yuck. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah no. exactly. It's, Taylor it's Swift? Just about no, it. what the fuck? Oh, Fantana's right, man. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's, yeah. It's, it's, yeah. Just, look, just go look at that and you just want to like go, Yuck. okay, just going to step away from that kind of world. But even on like, you know, on the left side, you've got stuff like the Mercury Prize, which is very, you know, they always go for the well out there albums. Um, the nominations last year were amazing. But, um, you know, the Brits always... They they try and toe the line between being a popularity contest and being like an art thing. Um, they try and be in the middle, but they really just fuck up trying to do the art side of it. And they so easily can do the popularity stuff. You know, they got Harry Styles and uh, Louis Capaldi in the best album category. Granted, I haven't listened to their albums, um, but even Stormzy's there and Heavy's the Head, and I'm like, that's not even that's not even top five for me personally, objectively. You know, um, I can I can think of a few more. Loyal Kana, um, you know, I can think, I can think of Michael Kiwanuka's there, which is good, and he's always uh, he's always there. But um, you know, I just don't understand. I don't understand some pe- some award shows criterion. You know, at the end of the day, it's just um, you know, it's always just a a piece of ceramic or a metal. You know, you know, you can you could be that person if you want. But you know, I always I like to. I like a reason to give praise to people, um, and you know sometimes award shows can be that. But I don't understand. I really don't understand. And just uh, the fact that Little Sims is nowhere to be found here, just I don't know, makes jars me. It really does jar me. Yeah, that's a weird. That's that's. I'm just going over like some of my favorite British acts and and whether they've won Brit awards before. Placebo's never won a Brit award. I'm like, come on, you got to win something. Elbow's won a couple. That's okay. But yeah, the, the, the whole award shows, you know, I was talking about on uh, on Hip Hop Numbers Instagram today about how streaming numbers are a fake economy and we've spoken at length about that. And I honestly feel like when, it, when I talk about a fake economy, I mean something has been created by people so that they can continue to like, it's like the, the old saying, money makes money. It's like once you have yeah. money, you make more money. Yeah. So if you're in a position of power, you create something that gives you more power. And I think that award shows 
and labels just get in each other's pockets and they work out a way to stay as relevant as possible and to appear as though they're a little bit objective. And that's why I think that things like the Brit Awards maybe have like the half-half thing where it's half popularity, half what is actually deserving. And then I just... It never works. Well, it, it works, man. It works for them. It works for them. It, it doesn't work for us because we look beneath, we look beneath the surface. We care about it for more than thirty seconds after it happened. But labels yeah, absolutely yeah. love it because they like look at freaking Lizzo winning. What did she win? Like the best soul album of the year. Like give me yeah, a freaking like break. BT Awards or something like that. Yeah, bro, it's a pop album. She her label paid for that that award, but now for the rest of her career, she can say that she had the best soul album of 2019. Like it's just stupid. So I don't have a lot of love for for awards. It that we have our version in Australia, the Aria Awards, they're garbage because uh, <laughs> there's there's like three or four really good Australian acts, and then the yeah. rest are the Australian hip hop is no offense if you really like Australian hip hop, I apologize, but it's garbage. Like. It's just 15 years behind the rest of the world. And you have to hear, listen to my accent right now. Imagine that rapping on a song, every single song <laughs> for 15 songs. You're not going to listen. You're not going to listen unless you're from Western Sydney and you speak and you say that you think the plural of you is use. That's when you're going to listen. So that's, yeah, I don't, I don't have much love for, for award shows, to be honest, man. Drop some bars for us, man. Drop a quick 16. <laughs> I'm actually a good writer. I tried rapping a few years ago, but it was just horrific. Oh, it was, a, it was uh, the actually, same issue. I did, uh, I did see that Sam for the Great won an ARIA award uh, when it when the awards dropped, and it was like she was the first black woman to win a rap award, and I was like, fuck, you know, that's depressing. <laughs> well, that's that's the thing, man. Like, I, either the, the rappers who win are usually ripping off Americans, or they're just horrific Australian acts, and there's just there's just nothing out here, man. Uh, Aboriginal performers don't get any love that they should. Like it, the Aboriginal performers are the best rappers in our, or they're the best musicians in my view in our in our music scene. And I don't know, man. They just don't get enough love. It's like, ugh, yeah, yeah it's pretty gross. Yeah, and on another side note, I am going to uh, Brixton uh, next this Saturday um, to wow. uh, to Beat Horizon, and uh, the, the the lineup is fire. We got Raekwon there, we got Farside, Sampa the Great, uh, aforementioned, Mos Def, Goldie Storm, uh, and uh, Ronnie Size, Jerry the Damage, and Rodney P, and some others. Got some DMC World Champions. If you lot are into that DJ and hype. Oh my god, it's gonna be lit. So uh, wow. yeah, I'm just I'm just uh, keeping you guys posted on what I'm jamming to. That's gonna happen on uh, this um, on Saturday this week, and uh, I'll report back next episode. It's gonna be flames. Uh, might might do a what's good special on it. Maybe I did that for God's rap, so I might might do this. Might do the same because uh, it's gonna be all day. It's an all day festival. Um, yeah, it's gonna be it's gonna be fire. That sounds good, man. We gotta, we gotta like hit up some shit when I come in September. We gotta find some stuff to to check out. Yeah, we'll see, we'll see, we'll see what's there. We'll see, we'll see what's going in. I'll, 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 uh, I'll, I'll flag up the net. I'll get my radar on. See what, see what's up. Keep your ear, keep your ear to the ground. And, keep uh, my ear to the ground. <laughs> keep your ear to the ground. <laughs> keep my ear to the ground. Uh, but yeah, do you have a night note at all? Uh no no I think we did well this week I don't really have a lighter note um yeah oh yeah for no, the guys that didn't listen to uh, last episode's what's good so obviously Ben uh, uh, came on and uh, that was a good <laughs> app 
yeah, my fo- my phone was off at the time uh, the episode dropped, so luckily uh, Ben did a little promo for me. Uh, but uh, yeah, if you guys haven't listened to that, please go listen to that. Um, it's literally just you know us two talking about Australia, and uh, you know it's it's, it's a very fast conversa- conversation, and uh, one of the one of my favorite episodes I've done so far. So uh, did you yeah, um, just a just a little you listen? Did you listen back in full? Do you have any uh, constructive criticism for me? Because I, I I thought I was for okay. You. <laughs> I thought it was okay, but then I, you know, when you listen back and you're like, oh, I could have said this better, I could have said that better, it's like, eh. Yeah, I mean, there's always, there's always that, um, you know, it, I think that's always something that you have to live with, I guess, you know, so, um, I'll probably, I'll probably have a lot to say when I listen back to this particular episode and then I listen to more DMX, I'm like, oh, damn, I could have got into that, you know, yeah. so, you know, I don't really have... I I I I knew you were I knew you obviously weren't a you know um, expert on all things Australia you know what I mean or, yeah not a bloody you know journalist or anything in that sense but um you know I, I came for, I came there for I, I came to you for a you know a first hand account and you gave me a first, <clears throat> you gave me a first hand account and you know I can't be um I'm I was completely fine <laughs> right. I was completely fine with your performance to be honest so it's all good. All right, that's good. No, I'm glad I listened back to it. I thought it was a really good episode. I think it was. I think people should check that out. I'm going to try and promo it a little bit more. Uh, but yeah, that was that was good. App. I, I really enjoyed that. And actually, just to give an update for people, it's calmed down a lot. It's been raining for the last couple of days. Uh, one of the fires that has been out of control since like early October is finally under control. That's crazy, man. It's like two mo- three months that it's been out of control and threatening mm. lives and homes. And it's finally under control, and people are less people are wearing masks every day, which is really nice. Um, so things are improving over here a little bit, which is which is good. That's good to hear. And on that note, ladies and gentlemen, this has been Dean and Digits. Hope you've enjoyed this particular episode. Um, I've been Charlie Taylor of the Fifth Element. Women dogs. <laughs> Bro, that's worse than my yuck. That's worse. <laughs> I'm, I'm trying not to. I'm trying not to shout because if I shout and I actually do it properly, then uh, yeah, yeah, you'd have to, the DMX to, would have to, to be recording in soundproof rooms room. because you, you, and in in the countryside with no other houses around because uh, yeah, that's loud. <laughs> um, anyway, yeah, I've been Ben Carter for Pop Nuts. <laughs> yeah, you forgot where you go. There, but you come inside, Joe. Have a good week, ladies and gentlemen. We shall always try to do the same. Watch your dogs. Keep, keep, keep your dogs keep your dogs safe <laughs> until the next time take it easy lazy job alright peace Digging in Digits is produced by me and Ben Carter the show is edited by me music for this show piece and video games my bonus points thanks to your breakers for the ability to use Socials with the Fifth Element, Hip Hop Vibe Numbers, Bonus Points, and Chill Off Records will be in the description for if you're listening. This has been a Fifth Element Podcast Network and Hip Hop Vibe Numbers collaboration. Thanks for spending time with us. We shall see you next time. I'll dig in in the digits. <laughs>